Welcome to Intersect, where church meets culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor of Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am joined as always by my kind, compassionate, gentle, but not super ambitious wife, Betsy. Wow, I've never gotten four. Yeah. Wow, and one that was a negative. Yes, but it's going, it's going to make sense in just a second, because Bets, are you ready for this title, Resume Virtues versus Eulogy Virtues? Yes. So you'll notice the first few adjectives were eulogy virtues. Yeah, you're going to have to explain kindness, what we mean and, by that. And amb- ambition would really be a resume virtue, hmm. right? If you're looking for a job, um, I haven't seen a lot of resumes where someone just put like kind, kind person. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe in some fields. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. some, but uh, <laughs> but certainly amb- ambition, that would be a big one. Sure. So Bets, we are here to talk about this interesting subject of resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. And um, you have heard about this distinction before in the past, is that right? I have, yes. Our former pastor at Northeast Presbyterian, I remember George Crow, mentioned this in a sermon at least once or twice, referencing an article written by the New York Times columnist David Brooks. Perfect, yeah. So in 2015, David Brooks published an op-ed in the New York Times titled The Moral Bucket List, and we'll put that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And I want to read, Bets, a couple of paragraphs from that article. It's really gone viral since he wrote it, Mm -hmm. because so many people have latched on to this distinction that he makes between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. So let me just read a little bit to Mm -hmm. get our discussion going today. Uh, Brooks writes, and I quote, it occurred to me that there were two sets of virtues, the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The resume virtues are skills that you bring to the marketplace. The eulogy virtues are the ones that are talked about at your funeral. Whether you were kind, brave, honest, or faithful, were you capable of deep love? Then going on a little bit later in the article, he mentions this, and I I found this really interesting. Commencement speakers, it means college commencement speakers, are always telling young people to follow their passions. Be true to yourself. This is a vision of life that begins with the self and ends with the self. But people on the road to inner light do not find their vocations by asking, what do I want from life? They ask, what is life asking of me? Mm. So he says that we are sort of right from the beginning, we're commissioned to follow our own inner light, our our inner selves, what we want, and to pursue. and, And usually what that amounts to is success in one form or another. Yeah. Yeah. I also love this paragraph from that same article. We all know that eulogy virtues are more important than the resume ones, but our culture and our educational systems spend more time teaching the skills and strategies you need for career success than the qualities you need to radiate that sort of inner light. Many of us are clearer on how to build an external career than on how to build inner character. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So you can have all of these traits that make you valuable to an employee or to an employer, but yet you you don't need to be a good person and you don't necessarily need to be concerned if you're a good person, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah, so just digging into those categories a little bit more, how would you, you know, what are some things that stuck out to you about things that David Brooks classified as resume virtues? You know, what what do you think they are and, and how do we cultivate them and why do we cultivate them? Yeah, so I found uh, a, another article by a guy named Arthur Brooks, and I'm pretty sure this guy has no relation to David Brooks, but he's a writer and he writes mostly for The Atlantic. 
And he, he talks about how silly resume virtues would sound at your funeral. You know, for example, if someone got up to eulogize you at your funeral and they say, he made senior vice president at an astonishing, astonishingly young age and had a lot of frequent flyer miles. Like, like no one <laughs> you is- You might mention the vice president, but probably you not could, the frequent flyer You could, flyer but here's resume virtues. Here's some of the ones I found online. That's negotiation, mm. analytical thinking, sales processing, multitasking, efficiency, high EQ, or sales optimization. Probably not the things that you come home at night and talk to your spouse and you say, I'm so thankful for your, well, you might say negotiation skills, sure, but some of those sure, other ones. Sure. I actually think you're kind of weak in sales optimization. So <laughs> Probably. But yeah, so, you know, I mean, clearly folks, here's, we're never black, super black and white on this podcast. Obviously, there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong, with lots of resume virtues. Mm-hmm. Some of these things are just skills that work well in the marketplace. And of course, employers are looking for those things. What Brooks is bringing to our attention, though, is that we have magnified, we have deified resume virtues, and we have largely downplayed or neglected eulogy virtues. Mm. That's the big point. Uh, It used to be in a lot of different areas of life that character was highly valued. Mm -hmm. And it may not have been an exact, uh, the, the fruit of the spirit that we see in the Bible, but there was still, I mean, you think about concepts of honor and concepts of people um, defending their reputation and their name. I always think it's funny when I hear about um, early American history when people did uh, would have duels with one another. Right, it's right? extreme. I mean, remember the Hamilton guy? Yes. Is the, like the, he wrote the best musical ever? No, wait, <laughs> he didn't write it. Someone else wrote it. But he was famous and he was a genius and he wrote yeah. all this incredible stuff in our history. And then he's doing, he's in a duel? Right. Yeah, you're like, why would you do that? Because... There, because there was such a higher regard for personal character. And today, it seems, and I think David Brooks, if he, he was on this podcast with us, would, would agree that we seem to have exalted the resume virtues way above the eulogy virtues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I, I was thinking about, you know, why is that? Why is that easier to cultivate maybe easier in some ways, or why do we feel more pressure to cultivate the resume virtues? Because I think we all do. Sure. And I think that um, the messages of our culture tell us that that's what, that is what matters. Our success, our, you know, we're, we're told to find identity and purpose in what we do. Um, yeah. Everybody needs to be good at something. Gotta you know, have your thing. You gotta have your thing, yep. yeah. And I yep. think we, we see this in, Take youth sports, for example, or youth activities. Every kid needs to, of a certain socioeconomic status anyway, needs to have something that they do, sure, right? That sure. they that you they pursue. Be like, this is little Johnny. He's nine. He's just a nice person, right? Like, that's right. Not, that's not good as, enough. Yeah. Or yep. Right. That's not uh, something that we focus on necessarily. And I think that we all, especially um, people who are parenting kids or teenagers or young adults feel an anxiety about competing in, in this economy, right? Yeah. I think, I think that's a great distinction that you're making there, highlighting anxiety. Because once again, uh, pursuing things like music and sports and art and those kind of things, especially during your developmental years, that's a great thing to do. Sure. That's wonderful. It helps develop the character. But I think what we often see is 
that these things are seen as a means to an end mm-hmm. right. instead of a means of developing a person's character or, or their, I mean, we often say to our kids with exercises, like, well, yeah, maybe you're never going to play this in college, but you could learn the value of caring for your body. Sure. Caring for. And just having fun. And just having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, we really do seem to be in this moment where um, the bottom line of success, and I mean, I hate to make it come down to money, but success and money um, seem to have exalted the resume virtues far above the eulogy virtues. Right. Yeah. And and I think um, one of these articles that we were reading in preparation talked about how, and I don't believe it was the David Brooks article, um, but talked about how we're in such a, a culture where... Um, Work is just the air that we breathe. Yeah. It's, um, it was the Derek Thompson article from The Atlantic. People are working less since the pandemic. However, studies show that parents still prioritize resume virtues over eulogy virtues. So just talking about how um, work has become such a part of the American culture, such a part of, you know, you're almost equated with what you do. And therefore... Um, it's hard to not feel that pressure to cultivate that side of who you are slash sure. what you do. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that same article mentioned that for the first time since they've been tracking this data, Americans actually worked less from um, during the pandemic than they worked before the pandemic. Mm. And he and he talked about how Derek talked about how that seems to be a positive trend in our culture. That maybe one positive outcome from COVID and there's others of course, but was just sort of a recentering for some people on maybe my entire life shouldn't be about work. Mm. Maybe I need to remember other things in my life that matter experiences, spending time with my loved ones and putting a little bit more focus on the eulogy virtues, which is obviously where God wants us. That's right. In the relationships. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, again, as I thought about this, I was curious, you know, we know why as believers, we would want to cultivate the eulogy virtues. Again, what people would say about you at your funeral, because that's just another way to talk about the fruit of the spirit, right? Because that's really what you're talking about is the love, the joy, the peace, um, the kindness that those things are what we're talking about when we say eulogy virtues. So for the believer... You, a follower of Christ obviously wants those things to exemplify him or her more and more because that means you're growing in, um, in the fruit of the Spirit. But why do you think it matters more broadly you know, sure. for, for any unbelievers who are listening to this podcast or have read that article? What do you think is um, the thought process there? Why do we more broadly need to cultivate those uh, eulogy virtues? I, I think that's a great question. And the answer, the answer is demonstrated in a lot of different areas. I think the Bible states clearly what the point of life is. But, but you can also find studies that show that what really brings satisfaction to people at the end of the day are relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how many cars you have. It's not about how high you get in your career. Again, those things don't have to be bad things at all. But relationships really are the point of life. Now, as Christians, we would say that should start with your your vertical relationship that needs to start with a relationship with God that then impacts all of your horizontal relationships. But I mean, there's tons of research out there showing that 
at the end of the day, life satisfaction does come down to our relationships. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's about. And, you know, to, to go back to COVID, this is one of the reasons why COVID uh, really test, is testing our world in a lot of ways. Because as COVID pulled people apart for good reasons, the imperative, to, I mean, man was not made to be alone. And the imperative for us to be together, really living life together in real relationships. Um, well, later, I mean, we can even point to this. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably do another episode on this. Teen rates of depression and anxiety right now. Mm -hmm. What's going on with kids? Um, and and why it just so much of it comes down to relationships. Mm -hmm. So that would be, I think that would be my biggest reason is ultimately wherever you are with God, what you're going to care about at the end of your life is the friends you have, the family members you have, uh, the the ways that that you've experienced life with those people, the ways that you've tried to serve those people, support those people, love those people, walk alongside those people, prepare the next generation to make an impact in this world. That's the stuff that really matters. Yeah, and so as we think about building relationships, what are the things that matter the most? It's things like humility, love, um, self-control, patience, Right, it's all those things that go into making relationships work. And so then the question becomes, well, how do we cultivate those things? How do we cultivate? And again, for the believer, it's all about the fruit of the Spirit, praying that we would be more and more like Christ in everything that we do. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing to think about, is how do we cultivate eulogy virtues in ourselves and for those of us who are parents or grandparents and our kids? Uh, I think that's a great question. It is. You know, an interesting way to frame the question, Betsy, is how do we balance the uh, drive to accomplish goals and tasks with the uh, equal drive to connect with people in relationship? And I think it's interesting to think about the life of Jesus here, because Jesus uh, did have goals and tasks, and, and the biggest one was to go to the cross mm -hmm. for us. But yet, as you also see in the life of Jesus a constant prioritizing of people, of relationships, of not cycling through disciples, of sticking with people, of pouring into people, and the the priority of relationships in the life of Jesus, and, and how that can, I hope, would cause us to constantly kind of say, okay, um, you know, one thing I, I read recently is just taking a relationship inventory in your life. I haven't done this yet, but I want to do this. Mm, sounds interesting. A relationship inventory where I go back and I say, I'm going to look at the relationships I have in my life. Now, I can't currently? Yes, currently. Okay. But you, can, but you can also, when you do this, you can think back about relationships that you had in the past. Right? If, if maybe you feel like you want to reconnect. And, and just to evaluate that and to look at, you know, um, am I where I want to be here? Um, have I swung too far in a, in a direction here with with my goals? Mm. And, um, you know, of course, we, there's realities here. We all have to work. We have to pay our bills, those sorts of things. But it seems like we're not ever going to regret working on these eulogy virtues which are lived out in relationships with other people. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the point, is that you don't divorce who you are as you pay your bills and you meet your obligations and you fulfill the calling that, um, that has been placed upon your life. You don't divorce that from the, the kind of person you want to be, right? It's all, 
it's all the same thing. You become that person as you fulfill the calling that's, that's been a, put on your life. That's a great way to say it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about, um, you know, again, how do we cultivate these virtues in ourselves? And I think it, as you said, taking stock, right? Like the relationship, what'd you call it? Relationship inventory. Inventory. I like that. Yeah. And just reflecting on our purpose, like really and truly what, what motivates my life? Why am I here? Is it, is it my, you know, and, and actually thinking about it because we believers know the right answer, but oftentimes that doesn't truly characterize our lives in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so actually thinking about what is it that motivates my life and it, you know, do I need to make some course corrections? Um, but sometimes we have to um, be willing to stop what we're doing and actually take inventory, as you said, of relationships and of other things and say, how am I doing mm-hmm. in keeping the main thing, the main thing, as you preached about in a recent sermon. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the treadmill of mm-hmm. resume virtues and to feel like you're doing really well. And I'm thinking of myself here, like you're doing really, really well in life as you do these things, which are good efficiency and, and building and, and growing and creating. And um, again, there's certainly a, a place for that, but um, to make sure that we are equally cultivating the inner flower of the soul. Hmm. That we are tending to our the soil in our own hearts and our souls, as much as we are tending to the brick and mortar of the thing that we're building. Yeah, and this brought to mind um, your favorite Dallas Willard quote. You just beat me to it. You were going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say it. Oh, that's amazing. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Dallas Willard says the main thing God gets out of your life is not the things you accomplish, but the person you become. Mm-hmm. And that quote is so concise and pithy. And yet so profound to me that at the end of the day, and, and what I love so much about that quote is it always reminds me that God doesn't need the things that I accomplish. Be, because then it's, it's almost like, well, God, if you didn't have me to accomplish those things, who would do it? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, you think about that, it's silly. But there is only one me, and the person that God is making me is, that's what he's really after. Mm. He made me. And he's making me into something. And there, the work of the Spirit is to cultivate these eulogy virtues in us so that, um, you know, it's, it's, it'd be so interesting to, to think about what God sees us when we get old and gray. And, you know, the world would tell us we're our, sort of our best days are behind us. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of mostly useless to the world and we're just sort of cruising to the end. But maybe God sees us as more beautiful and impressive and wonderful to him and beloved to him than he ever has before. Mm-hmm. As this garden of the soul has been cultivated and these eulogy virtues have been built in mm-hmm. us. So shifting the conversation just a little bit, what do you think about our kids? For those of us who are parents, who maybe are grandparents, what do you think are some practical things we can do to help our kids cultivate those beautiful eulogy virtues to see the value in them and to grow in them themselves. I have a lot of ideas, that, so I'm curious. Such a great think. question, Betts. Before I get there, let me read a quote from the Atlantic article that Derek um, Thompson wrote. Remember, this guy's not a Christian. Uh, this is not a Christian article, but let me just quote this. And I quote, Americans should prior- prioritize eulogy virtues, but by our own testimony, we strongly prefer resume virtues for ourselves and especially for our children. This year, Pew Research Center... So that's like the premier research 
institution in America, mm-hmm. asked American parents, what, a- what accomplishments or values are most important for your children as they become adults? Now listen to this. Nearly nine in 10 parents named financial security or jobs or careers uh, our children enjoy as their top value. That was four times more than the share of parents who said it was important for their children to get married or have children. It was even significantly higher than the percentage of parents who said it's extremely important for their kids to be honest, ethical, ambitious, or accepting of people who are different. Despite large differences among ethnicities in some categories, the primacy of career success was one virtue that cut across all groups. Hmm. End quote. Hmm. So uh, just again to... uh, remind all of us, I mean, we're living in this country too. We're not like above this or better than this Mm -mm. or something. If you're a parent living in America today or a grandparent, you are probably greatly uh, tempted to see career success as the end all and be all. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I don't have anything brilliant here except to say to our kids, that's not the point of life. That's right. Um, it doesn't matter that God doesn't have a unique call. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a particular and unique and special calling for our kids. Of course he does. It doesn't mean God hasn't put talents, uh, skills, contributions to give to this world, but we have, we cannot put the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. And what God is really about is developing our kids into his kingdom servants, his image bearers, uh, his little Jesuses, if I can put it that way, is the, as Jesus has worked out in our lives in the world. Mm-hmm. That's God's highest value for us. And that actually is, is the best way that we can love our kids because, as I've heard so many times, if we put the pressure on our kids of success, well, what happens if they don't reach it? Mm. That's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and, and what if they don't reach it and it's not their fault? Because sometimes in life, there's no explanation as to why one person got the job and the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. Why one person got into the medical program and the other one didn't. Mm. Why, um, why one person had an accident that affected their health or their abilities and another person didn't. We can't, even, we can't understand these things. Right. But nothing that we experience in this life can remove the ability and the calling that God's put on us to develop eulogy virtues. Mm. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I was thinking too some some things as I reflected on you know what can we do as parents. What one thing that came to mind is what what do we celebrate as parents for our kids? Because we know you know a lot of times we celebrate the good report card and we should. That's sure. you know reflective yeah. of hard work. We celebrate sports achievements, and again, that's great. Not saying we shouldn't, but do we also celebrate times that our children showed compassion to someone? Um, times that they told the truth when it was hard, um, you know, times that they were loyal to a kid and other kids weren't, you know, what do we celebrate? Because those are the things that our kids hear us affirming. So let them hear us affirming those eulogy virtues as we see them, um, expressed as much as those other things. Right. And, and on the flip side, what do we correct? Do we just rage at our kids when they get bad grades? And, you know, but other things we let slide because those aren't as important to their future. Um, I think, you know, our priorities are reflected in so many ways. And maybe to be kind of intentional about, um, 
you know, praising and celebrating those things that may not be reflected on a reports a report card or or on you know a sports team. I think that can really be meaningful. Um, and then also just encouraging long term thinking. You know, is this in our kids as we see them making different kinds of decisions? Is this the kind of person you want to be? Um, reminding them of like what really matters. Are your do your are your grades in fifth grade going to matter when you're an adult? No, but the kind of person that you're becoming does matter. Your character is being shaped and formed by your choices, and your character is what will guide your life as an adult. Um, so I think there's you know different things that we can do to try to encourage our kids to grow in those virtues that God wants them to have. Yeah, that's great. That's and I would just add one more thing. As we desire eulogy virtues in our kids more than resume virtues, what that forces us to do is live more by faith. Mm. It forces us to parent in faith and live by faith in increasing measure. Because as long as, because let's be honest, we all want our kids to be successful. And Mm -hmm. that's not, again, that's not bad. That's right. But I don't need to trust God as much if it's all about success and everything is going on that proper path. Mm. But if, if, it's like, okay, Lord, yeah, I want success. I want, obviously, you want uh, responsibility in life. You want to contribute to society. But if I am more about this character and I'm less about sort of these certain career goals and so forth, I'm going to need to trust God more. I'm going to need to allow Him to guide and direct my child. Mm-hmm. It may be in a direction that I don't see at all, that I don't even understand. Uh, but if His hand is in it, and the eulogy virtues are growing, then isn't that what we should celebrate mm-hmm. and thank him for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Betts, um, I hear you've been reading recently. Is that true? Well, I have been reading a book that I want to recommend to all of our listeners. It will blow your minds. Um, it's called Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. It's by an author named Siddharth Kara. And... Um, I know we just got dark really fast. This is a very um, eye-opening book. It's about, so I don't know if you knew this, Josh, but in every lithium-ion battery, there is the mineral called cobalt. Did you know this? Uh, No, I know nothing here. And when we're talking about a battery, are you telling me like a little battery, like a little Duracell battery? Okay, no, a rechargeable. Rechargeable battery. Yeah, so like electric vehicles, every iPhone, laptop, like little iPads, little things that you plug in. And has recharge. something called cobalt in it. Cobalt. That's a metal. Okay. I think. I'm metal. with you. Okay. Um, and so, um, a crazy percentage of the cobalt in the world is found in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay. And is that sorry to interrupt? You, is that the same where King Leopold's ghost? Yes. Is that the same country? Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that because okay. did you read that book in yeah, college? Yeah. I read yes. It. We both read a book in college called King Leopold's Ghost. That was about the rubber industry. How Um, King Leopold out of Belgium exploited the people of Congo uh, for the rubber trade. So this is just a different kind of, a more modern form of exploitation. And the very sad thing is that much of the cobalt in the supply chain is actually mined by children. And they are paid next to nothing. And, you know, the global supply chain assures us that it was, that the cobalt was not sourced by um, using child labor, but this book is exposing that there's actually no way to assure anyone of that, and it's it's very eye opening. It um, it's all about ethics. 
because mm. one um, I just read a page today where one man from the Congo said, every time someone in the West plugs in their phone, a child in the Congo dies. And I wow. just think we all need to be aware that mm. this is happening. Mm. Um, and now just, just now, um, just for the sake of clarity, most of these mines, I feel like you told me this before the episode, mm-hmm. the Chinese run the mines, right? Isn't that sort yes, of the reality all, of the well, situation on the ground? Yes, there's a lot of government, government corruption. Most of the mines are majority Chinese owned. And that's the thing that the revenue that's generated from the cobalt doesn't even go to the Congolese people. And um, I just think this is honestly, I think this is a book we all need to read. We need to be aware of it because that's how things change is when awareness grows. Mm-hmm. And um, so really good book, Cobalt Red, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. We'll put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. That's We were talking a couple of days ago about, I was sort of like, well, how does how, how what can I do about this, right? I live in right. Columbia, South Carolina. What can I do? And you said one thought would be, when T-Mobile tells me I need a new iPhone every two years, they may not be telling me the truth. That's right. <laughs> that if my current phone is pretty good and I could keep going with it, then keep going with it. Keep going with it. That's right. Um, because we, we probably haven't thought about like that old phone, like, oh, I can recycle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to worry about it. Obviously, phones are expensive, but um, right, I, you, yeah. You just—it just sort of brings a level of of thoughtfulness. That's right. To and our, I haven't gotten all the way through. And obviously, as the average consumer, you feel somewhat powerless to do anything about this. Um, but yeah, so I haven't gotten all the way through. But it certainly does um, provoke more thought and more concern for people who are at the bottom of the global supply chain. Wow! And isn't Africa such an incredible continent? Mm-hmm. So so much there, so many resources, so many people, mm-hmm. and and God's also doing incredible things in that continent. Yep. Well, um, everybody, thank you for joining us. We we hope and pray that um, you will seek to cultivate eulogy virtues in your life, um, more than resume virtues, not that the resume virtues are all bad. And of course, that would be by God's power in his people. So thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Bets, anything about rating, reviewing, and subscribing or anything? Or Yep. If you just want to find us on um, any podcasting apps, as you have already, if you're listening, but you can share us with your friends. And uh, anytime you would give us a rating or a review, that helps other people to find us. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm